welcome to What Did You Do? I'm here against my will. You're doing what you signed up for. So here's the thing. Like I had, I was, I was ill. Um, and (laughs) (laughs) I had suggested he go without me. He was very enthused about this case. I was like, yo, do this without me. And he was like, nope. And he dragged my body, um, from my bed. Just want to be clear that you said do this without me. How many hours before we were supposed to do it together? I literally was dying, it was and I three took medication hours before and I we were supposed to do it together. Listen, and and I was like, oh, well, I'm not prepared uh, to do it alone because I would have written my outline differently if it was myself, sir. All so. I know. All I know is the 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 you know crew was ready for a solo. I just want to point that out. I, I, I hear you guys. I was like, why did you even I ask this question? Your, I, saw, I saw the poll. Uh-huh. I understood what you guys wanted, <laughs> and I made an executive decision to override and completely ignore it. It's like that Nick Fury quote. Like I recognize that the crew has made a decision, but given that decision, I didn't like. <laughs> I decided to ignore it. Um, but no, I I was I had recorded it. And it was so many screws I would have to go back and edit because I was trying so hard to sound like myself while also being engaging. It was really hard to talk to dead air the way I'd written my outline. Had I been reading it verbatim like I do for other shows, like in a way that's very storytelling, yeah, but it wasn't set up for that. I so what you're saying is, from everything I heard and from my, you know, That skills, I should be given more advanced notice. My skills at listening is that there's no you without me. Or me without you, or you, you without me. There oh, is. there's a lot of me without you, but nah, there is, nah. there's no what did you do, um, <laughs> properly without you. So just so you know, I'm D and I'm here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Charnel. This is what we've been doing forever. He's gonna one day, like when I'm like really having a child, you're gonna like literally be there with your mic at the hospital. Be like, we got an episode. Absolutely. Like, I know you just pushed this fresh baby <laughs> You up. really think I'm Beyonce up in this bitch? <laughs> like, um, get, get back on your feet. Like, I know, yeah, skin-to-skin contact. Anyway, so how do you feel about the childhood of, I don't know, Charlie Murphy? I'm just like... <laughs> I like, you go and tell us the details of that. Like I hear, I hear her in the back. Can you can you silence her? Can you just speak like, <laughs> right. quiet a little? Can have break? to put I have to put her to my like breastfeed her to make her quiet. <laughs> can you just take her out of the room? We just need I need twenty five minutes. <laughs> I just need twenty five minutes. No, but yeah, this is so it was it was not fun for me. Um, if I'm prepared, like we like we rec- I've recorded some Patreon episodes by myself that I still have to edit. Um, but like that was fine because I written them to be by myself. I didn't. Yeah. I read the outline to be able to bounce back off and insert information as needed. My solo ones are coming too. I'm excited about the one I pick. He hates a mystery with no ending, and I sure. No, I just I just don't like picking a. I like having knowing who the problem is and like the whole. <laughs> it's just DB Cooper. I was like, this person doesn't have a name. <laughs> so if you join the Patreon, you get a little bit of D's mysteries. Yeah, because that's probably where I'm going to So this it. weekend, I'm dropping two. So if mm-hmm. you guys are having a good time, do that. Mm-hmm. Also, before the next time you hear us, uh, I'll have, we'll have turned 30. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's joining the club. Yeah, my birthday is the 28th. Um, probably going to be the best looking 30 year old you know. And it's that's cool. a lie because I am um, clearly, I don't want to. You're not 30. Either. I'm 33. You're over 30. That's the difference. I'm in my 30s. Yeah, therefore... So words mean things. So when I Listen. say the best 30 year old, point is that it'll be my birthday. And I was thinking, like, doing something. I don't know if I want to hop on a train to the city and just, like, enjoy my Friday night in the city and turn 30 there and then hop back on a train and go home. Um, Silas, I know you're listening. If that's something you're interested in, like, going to New Hey Hey and being part of that, I know you're in that area. We can make that happen. If you come on Saturday, I could stop. 
No, I can't be. Stop being a stepmom. Never mind. I thought I could stop being a stepmom for a minute, but I'm busy getting ready for her birthday party, so. Yeah, the one you decided to have on my birth? It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to get into this case. So this case. Baby. Uh, well, actually, no, I have to take a step back because you got me all lit up now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have housekeeping to take care of. I want to shout out new patrons. Um, this name is great. Rema Butterman. Shout out to you, ma'am. Hello, great Rema Butterman. All right. I don't want to. I was like, I don't want to assume it was gender. I don't. I hate myself. I was watching a whole Vice documentary with trans people, and I was like, Oh no, I shouldn't say that. I don't know who. And like names are fun. Um, some names, some male names, and then a. Well, it doesn't matter. But shout out to you, friend, crew, member Ashley Russell as well. Hello and welcome, Ashley. I know who Ashley is. She's followed us on. She's in the crew. Like we know Ashley. Yeah. And if you guys and oh, like also I, I know we're talking a lot before. If you're a new listener, sorry, but not sorry. Um, so many fur babies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's was it from the last episode. I I talked about loving seeing people. Yeah, pets, yeah. And everyone's like word because it, it got real. I was like, oh. He was like, are you sure you like pets? Because I these would, are pets. I would post so but he wasn't dressed for. He wasn't ready for that. I know. I should have posted. I'm gonna post a picture of Ro tonight. I'm gonna. gonna I'm do. gonna uh, take a picture. My cat's name is Aurora um. Monroe. And she, because she, she's named after Storm from be. the X, she would be. She's gray and white, like storm clouds. I don't have that much of an interesting story about my dog's name, except it was kind of named after a guy that I was dating that was kind of a dog. And I said, "Wouldn't it want to get a dog and name him So So?" And imagine being that. <laughs> imagine being that peanut butter and petty. I was. Imagine, <laughs> I am not built like that. My I all am. my animals, all my pets have always been named after Marvel comic characters. I've had like Ronan, who's like, if you don't know, he showed up in Endgame a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. I've just like, I've also only had fish and hamsters before a cat. So, like, it was, Got you. <laughs> it was like, okay, Gene, <laughs> like Shadow Cat, um, things like that. Anyway, I named a hamster Shadow Cat. I did. It doesn't make sense. Right. Either way, we're here. We're here. And so, this particular case, guys, uh, I'm trying to make sure there's nothing else I need to mention. No, my birthday's important. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> so this particular case is based around the passing of something called the Cleary Act. Now, officially, it's known as the Gene Cleary Disclosure of Campus Security Policy and Campus Crime Statistics Act, but you can tell why it's shortened to Cleary, Cleary Act. Act. All right, so this federal law basically requires colleges, universities, anyone who participates in federal financial aid programs to report on the crimes on, in, near, or around their campuses. It's incredibly important. Um, Dee pointed out that you can... Find out who's right. in violation of this act on your FAFSA. On your FAFSA, which I was like, cool. This is, you know, this information you want to know if you're going to join a college. Um, statistics, violent crimes that take place on the campus. These are things you have the right to know before, you know, applying Absolutely. to schools. Absolutely. Um, so, a little background about the Clery Act, because it's important to know this. Uh, this law was passed after an act of extreme violence. Uh, yes. was carried out on the campus of Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Sidebar. This was my dream school. This was my number one school. This is where I wanted to go. Also, side note, I got in. <laughs> like, <laughs> too much okay, money, Brian, though. It was forty thousand dollars, and they were only giving me like twenty five and and eight. It was a mess. It was like a, that fifteen thousand gap was not going to cut it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but on April fifth of nineteen eighty six, after a night of drinking to ease the burn of a student election loss. Uh, 20-year-old Lehigh sophomore Joseph Henry had entered a dorm uh, through the doors that had been propped open by pizza boxes so that students could get back in freely. Everyone who's gone to college and lived on campus knows 
the trouble of propping doors. It's so dangerous. And, and you know, your RAs my will tell you. People in my building, my building now does yeah. this, and I hate it so much. Your RAs will tell you, do not prop doors because it's a safety concern. And right. we're like, well, we don't, we want to be able to sign in more of our friends, so shut up. You know, it's like, or right. we want to be able to, we lost our key, we want to get in. Like, and we, and things like this happen, and we don't think about it. Right. Um, so he had robbery on his mind when he entered the dorm when that night, it was basically, I'm trying to get as much, you know, goods as I can and get out. Um, and so when he went up to the third floor, he went up to the woman's floor of the dorm and he started trying doors. And unfortunately, uh, the first door he tried belonged to 19 year old Jean Cleary Mm -hmm. and had been left unlocked because Jean's roommate had lost her key. And so he entered the room, started rummaging through their belongings, and all the noise woke Jean up. And his response to that was to break a beer bottle and cut her with it. But the violence from there only escalated. And he would end up raping Jean and then killing her by strangling her with a slinky toy. So clearly Mm -hmm. there's a lot of weight uh, behind the passing of the Clary Act. And at the time, when the Clarys were discussing with Jean where where she wanted to go to school, Mm -hmm. crime statistics weren't a thing. They weren't a thing. In the 80s, before then, no one knew what crime looked like. Correct. um, On campuses. And to be honest, um, like, it just, it wasn't deemed necessary. We talk a little bit about this later on, about the safety and the, or the perceived safety of higher uh, institutions of higher learning. Right. And Lehigh at the time... um, this was one out of like 38 violent crimes recorded at the university at, in the last three years at the time. So, I mean, the parents argued when they um, entered this lawsuit with the university that had they known right. that it was so violent and things like this were going on on the campus and campus safety was a concern, they would have never suggested she go here. Well, right. So, well, I think it was this, she was the 39th, I think. Yeah, she was the 39th. Before. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing was, is that in Bethlehem at this time, in the late 80s, the only reason I know this is because I read up on places before I go, and I'm like that, because we had the benefit of, in 2005, of knowing a Internet. lot about, right, of knowing a lot about the colleges, and all, now we have crime statistics and things like that. But looking back, Lehigh, Lehigh Bethlehem, that it was a bustling town at one point. If you've ever been to Bethlehem and you drive in, it's very kind of open and flat. Um, there's a Wendy's, uh, a lot of like strip malls. There's like, it's a very like dry kind of, uh, town. And right before you get to the south side of Lehigh's campus, because there's a lot of low income housing, a lot of poor people. And because of that, crime in that area started spilling onto the south side of Lehigh's campus. And so when people were selling drugs to college students at that point, um, trying to assault college students, like right. people were walking alone. So all these things were starting to spill over. Mm-hmm. And had the Clearys really known what was going on, you wouldn't have gone to Lehigh. Now, right. when I was going, trying to go, around, like I said, I graduated in 2007 from high school, like there, all these things were available. Right. You know, including... On the FAFSA that, you know, because, yeah. you know, the Clery Act goes in um, 1990. So right. this is four years after um, the incident that it goes in. The parents were rewarded $2 million from the school as well um, because they found that, you know, you know, the parents were correct. They should have, you know... They should have, yeah. They should definitely be disclosing to parents um, and the community, like, what is happening on their campus. Where are you failing as a university? And a lot of, a lot of times... Colleges, especially even now, colleges try to act as their own law enforcement agencies and handle things in-house. Right. If I told you all the times that I'd gotten written up 
when <laughs> in college when I should have been like arrested. But, <laughs> but like that was I God's cannot. grace is what it was. But there are so many, but there, you know, they just, they do so much insulation. Right. Because they don't want to be perceived as dangerous because you want people to come to your school. Right. And what they were also saying, the clears were saying is that they were aware that Henry himself had not had a clean record. Henry had had issues of violence. He had had issues of breaking uh, a female student's window. And part of that was perceived to be that there was um, some kind of disconnect between or miscommunication between his advances and her reciprocation or reciprocation receiving of that. Uh, and so this is his his angry reaction. So like, there's all these things he had been he flunked out of school already once. You know, all these things about Henry that should have been known because of his his I don't know character flaws um, to the point where he becomes a murderer. So they're, the clerics believe that they should have been told. Um, but you're right. So they did lobby uh, state legislators and Congress to require uh, college campuses to report crimes. And so a lot of these things, a lot of these, a lot of this took traction. I can't talk tonight. Um, and Congress did end up passing the Clery Act in 1990. Right. Um, and you would think that with more federal oversight and public scrutiny now, that universities would go above and beyond to be as transparent as possible uh, with students. And no, not at all. <laughs> um, but because you know, because parents are still clearly sending their kids to college. It's right. not like they don't. Um, and it's apparent that there's still an inherent trust with universities that they're generally safe spaces. And when you think about like us, like they're, oh no, identity politics. Like I, when I think about my best friend who went to the same university as me and what he was told before he went to college and what I was told two different things. Like he's like, you study hard and you get in there and you do what you need to do. You, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it was like, when you get in there, make sure you know who you're hanging out with. Make sure you don't get involved in anything. Make sure you're not being right. where you're not supposed to be because of who you are, what you look like. All these things were going through my head. Right. You know, so like institutes of higher learning were always anxious and anxiety ridden places for me my first like year. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. People, the first, my first day at college, I got called the N word. Out of a window, walking to the student center, I was like, "Whoa!" So, <laughs> and this is New England. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "All right." So, this is how people feel about my tall, black, handsome chocolate behind being at college. <clears throat> wow. All right. So, I mean, college campuses were always—they're never really safe, though. Like, we have to put that in perspective. Like, aside from you being called the N-word, like prior to this, like they, we had the whole co-ed killer. You know, everyone knows um, him and that he killed um, girls on campus. We, the Edmund campus. Like, everyone who saw Mindhunter has been talking about this guy, and this is why he's coming to mind right now. Everyone's telling me to watch <laughs> Mindhunter. Like, like, somebody on the on the crew, I can't remember who talks to me anymore, but they were like, Charnel, you would really appreciate uh, this because it's Dean Coral. Well, I think I have it a little... Um, Dean Coral was featured on there. He, he did get... I mean... And I'm so happy Coming from a criminology perspective, just was I work in the field, like... I have an understanding of how it impacts my job now for recidivism, um, the work they did. But the season one of the show, I couldn't get into. Season two was better because they talk about the Atlanta monster and the murders. And it was a guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was like, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the problem with college campuses is that everyone, like college campuses aren't behind walls. They are stuck in the middle of cities and towns. They're accessible. Easily accessible. Like I remember... Um, like there are reports on, what was it in DC 
uh, about 10, 12 years ago, like Georgetown campuses, like that people, like there was a guy in a hood that was like, I was like, what is going on? Like people walk, also people walking their dogs. Like anybody could just right. walk through a campus that night right. to cut through because their house is on the other side and they don't right. want to walk around. Like if you're, if you're kind of up against a, a sketchy neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. red, poor neighborhood, and you don't want to walk those sidewalks you cut through a university with cameras and lights. Mm-hmm. Like, people do it all the time, and so that's what makes them susceptible to crime. Right. Um, but that's when you say campus security is still right. there, and they have all those blue lights on I mean, I don't even and... think at the same, like, at the time that Clara was at school, they had campus security, because at the time, well, um, after it was after this case that they... Um, you know, with the the parents got together and did the campus security thing, and they did. Well, there was there was something an like organization, it. Yeah, yeah, a nonprofit for this. So, so there's, I mean, there's something like it. Yeah. Um, just to because safety is always Maybe a concern. Know it. Yeah, but, now we have campus police, so that's right. a little bit different. But yeah, especially if you go to a state school, then your state police are the ones. But running then again, around. the case that we talk about, or we're about to talk about, they had campus police at the time as right. well. So. Let me tell you, I'll tell you a story one day about how I stole. A segue from the police officer on my campus, but there is a. <laughs> it was funny, um, but so there have been few. There have been a few more violations, like egregious violations of the Clery Act, mm-hmm. uh, since then. Ones that stand out to me are the very obviously ones. So Michigan State University's response mm-hmm. to the Larry Nasser mm-hmm. um, allegations that had come out. He was the doctor for the. Uh, everyone knows this. It was like two years ago for the women's gymnastics team. Uh, he was accused of assaulting at least 250 women and at least one man, uh, and has since been convicted and sentenced to 40 and 175 years, and he's never getting out. Right. And then Ever. there is Penn State University um, and Jerry Sandusky, and that went on for years, and there was a lot of cover-up yeah, regarding that. Cover-up. Um, teachers that knew, people that work with the coach that knew um, over several years and several boys that were involved in that. So that was another one yeah. where the Cleary Act was uh, violated. Yeah, he's serving no less than 30 years in prison. Right. Um, I think his earliest possible release is like 2040 or 2042. And seeing that he's 75, he's going to rot where he is. I, I didn't even realize he was still alive. Yeah, still. <laughs> so it's, it's just... It just comes to show you that like these these things are necessary, right? And but but I mentioned it earlier that colleges tend to try to insulate themselves and act as their own things mm-hmm. and their own law enforcement agencies and handle things in house. But if it's not handled where someone gets expelled, like or fired or like something, then then it's not done right. right. There's no justice in that. Kind of like the Catholic Church and how you see the secrecy behind there and the cover up behind there. Um, I feel colleges do the same thing, but to, they could only do it to a certain extent. Right, there's no the colleges really don't have a, a a grip on power. Yeah, they're only within their own system right. and 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It begins with a Q, but I can't remember it. But their own within their own system, do they wield all the power? So a student mm-hmm. has very minimal, right? Unless right. you band a whole bunch of students together. That's why right. it's important to join clubs, kids. <laughs> But it's true. And be active on your campus. Change things. But the occurrence that we want to specifically cover today right. um, is one that would throw us in a time machine to about 2006 and bring us to Ypsilanti, Michigan. Fun name. Not spelled how you would think. Um, at, look, it's a suburb of Detroit. And on December 15th of that year, custodian Michelle Lockwood would arrive outside the dorm of room 518 in the Hill Hall dormitory on the campus of Eastern Michigan University, because some of the neighbors had been complaining of a foul odor 
coming from the dorm room. And now anyone who knows anything about finals week knows that if you live on campus, people tend to pack up early. Right. People are leaving. Um, right. This people, is around the um, Christmas holiday. Yeah. So yeah. people tend to people tend to get up and go. And if you live close enough, people will drive back for their finals and drive back home. It happens a lot. So when you leave your dorm, we all know those sloppy people who leave food behind that mm-hmm. rots or things that are just gross. We right. don't have to name them like in as pranks, things like that. And so they went to go, <laughs> the, the prank I'm thinking about people who like leave poop on heaters in college. Terms, it's stink bombs. I didn't that. Oh, well it's yeah. hat. Like it, yeah. I never do the poop on y'all are. Yeah. It was, it's gross, but it's happening <laughs> when people leave poop on a heater. And if you have automatic heaters, like cut on when it gets too cold. Now it's like boiling poop. It's what, it, and so you have to go in there. But what Michelle, uh, the custodian, would actually discover upon entering the room was the body of 22-year-old Laura Dickinson. And what I want to do before we go any further into this is talk a little bit about who Laura was, um, kind of get into her life, highlight what that looked like, because I don't want to just go into how people did her dirty, but I want to talk right. about like her light, because she was pretty She was pretty cool. Like She was a nice... A nice uh, young girl. Right. And accomplished and had dreams and goals. Yeah, she had dreams and goals. I mean, as far as, you know, her family background, there was nothing too significant there as far as, like, endangerment or putting her at risk for victim. No, she had a decent child. Like, Like, she had a decent childhood. Her parents were working. Um, They were very, I want to say, supportive of Laura as well. Um, Yeah, good old Bob and Deb Dickinson. Yes. Um, So... Just like any college girl, I guess she decided, you know, before she goes into a four-year school to go ahead and go to a community college. So she went to Grand Rapids uh, Community College. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> like I went. And got her bachelor's in nutrition. Her associates. Uh, right. <laughs> associates. And then decided to go to EMU to get her bachelor's in nutrition. Um, so they wanted to stay close to home. And like you kind of said, like your parents said, you know... Um, Stay close, be safe, right. um, always contact. They drove her to her campus like regular parents do. It was about two hours away from home. So it wasn't, you know, and I don't know how to you, say that town again. Ypsilanti. Oh, that, Instead that's of a the Y, think of it as an I. So Ypsilanti. I put it through like my Siri. I put it through like um, pronunciation things on Google because I was like, mm. It sounds like it should be in Mississippi. Yeah, I will, I will, this is one that I should have definitely put in how to pronounce Ypsilanti. <laughs> like, this is one. I do that all the time with, like, clients, too, when I have to say names that I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they drove her two hours from home to her new campus or her new dorm room in Hill Hall. It was, like, a 10-story brick uh, sky rise. It's a typical, yeah, your typical dorm college dam, you know, thing. <laughs> typical college. <laughs> college campus dorm stuff. <laughs> Her typical college I just store. Picture Beavers building. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> and then they, you know, they tell her to, you know, call them all the time, make lots of friends, um, and that was really it. That was yeah. She, you know, she she call definitely had get a, lonely and coffee oh, get lonely. She had a door. man. Uh, she had a boyfriend, uh, Travis Scott, not the rapper, uh, an engineer who worked at Cavanta uh, Energy in Grand Rapids. Right. Um, but she was also very health conscious. That was her right, thing. Right, right. She had also had some history with some heart trouble. So she kind of she was kind of taking her health and nutrition really seriously, uh, staying active. She was a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, when she went to Eastern. What's the novice crew? A crew. Crew are people who row. 
Okay, I did yeah. not know. Yo, I, for the life of me, I was like, yo, like we're going to have to talk about it on the show because I have no idea. I was like, Google don't work for you? I don't know. There is, maybe, but so And, and that's, that was going to be literally the next I know you were going to say next. Was that, <laughs> so she, kept, she stayed in shape using that. So mm-hmm. kept up her cardio health. Right. Uh, ate well. So by all accounts, this is important, by all accounts, mm-hmm. outside of the outside of the, her weak-ish heart, mm-hmm. she was an able-bodied and healthy young woman. Right. So yes. there, and so there's a lot of things that go into this, right. and so this tragedy would also kind of explain the discovery of her would explain why Laura's parents hadn't been able to reach her right. for the past couple of days. She had right. uh, attended a, a Christmas party mm-hmm. with the crew, um, and it was a Secret Santa party. Secret you know, Santa, my love. least favorite type. I of party. love Secret Santa. I don't like surprises. I love- oh. Jesus. I'm one of those people, so oh, I'm like, don't, yeah, but like, we do it at my job, and it's like, you, there, we have a help, like, thing we do, so someone tells you what their favorite scents are, what they like to do, so you have an idea, so it's not like, sure, no, I got you this trigonometry textbook, because I think you're smart, it's like, no, burn it, you know, for firewood, oh, but she attended Secret Santa gift party, and, and that was December 12th. Right. And so Cameron saw her that she had left the party right. uh, and returned back to her dorm around 11, 12, and she had a, clearly a gift bag in her hand. Right. So we know who that was. And according to the call history from her dorm, the last outgoing call was sent to her boyfriend, Travis, Travis. at work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after she got into her room, but that was the last time that anyone outside of room 518 would ever hear from Laura again. All right. So remember, it's final times, and like finals were still going at the time. So naturally, you want to attend your finals because it's the end of the week. But she Especially was someone as conscientious as Laura. <laughs> I thought you were going to say as you, which I was. I was gearing up for that. Oh no, pat, we're highlighting Laura. Right heading now. your pastries moment, but uh, I will. But later on in the. Yeah. But she, yeah, so. She failed to show up for her her exams. Her friends and her family start to grow concerned. They start to call her cell phone. And for two days, there's absolutely no answer. Right. So they had, they had not heard from her. And so one of the things we always talk about on this show, when, especially when it comes to adults, is that adults are allowed to go missing. Not my baby if they're in college. College students are the exception. Right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> is that adults can disappear. They, they're allowed to, too. But college students... Usually have organized time schedules, places they need to be, set times to be in certain buildings, and because they become so acclimated to a schedule, the minute you step outside, that something is wrong. Typically, you've got either you're missing, you're lazy, or you run right. away. Like if you, especially during final times. So right. for this, this is really important. This is obviously really an issue for them because this is not like Laura, mm-hmm. and so looking for her. Uh, Travis had decided that I'm going to the campus as well. Like, I haven't heard from my girlfriend in two days. Bob, I'm going to campus because I haven't heard from my daughter in two days. And so at this point, while they're all converging, this is before they even get there, this is the discovery that Right, they find the body, which was the custodian. Which makes me really sad, and we're going to get into details of this in a little bit. But the immediate reaction was that the school would send out the routine messages mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, we send our condolences. Yes, someone's like Laura Dickinson was found, found dead, dead in yeah. her dorm. Like, they have to tell you. Mm-hmm. But they're like, she was found dead in her dorm and they would offer the condolences to her friends and her family and they would offer grief services mm-hmm. to people who knew her, people who were close to her, even the people who don't because we all know how trauma affects people differently. There's people 
who witnessed 9-11 happen on TV in England are still getting therapy today. Right. You know, so it's like people, just because you're being adjacent to death could be a problem, especially in college settings where everyone's so youthful and vibrant. Right. Um, but what they also added in their statement of condolences was that the Eastern Michigan University had no reason to suspect that any foul, foul play. play. And that's the part that pisses me off. Right. So you, Trash. You, right. <laughs> you, like, went out of your way to say there was no foul play. Right. And we're going to see why that's trashy in about 10 right. seconds. <laughs> but Laura's death obviously left... Uh, her family broken, shaken, right, right. you know, having no reason to believe it was anything other than an unexpected timely death. Mm-hmm. Again, they associated it possibly to her weak heart. heart, heart, heart um, but they went on to memorialize and bury Laura. And, you know, they tearfully went on to try to find their new normal now without their daughter. Right. And 10 weeks would go by and life would continue at EMU in some in the best way it could at the Dickinson household until a bombshell dropped February 23rd of 2007 mm-hmm. when 20-year-old EMU student D doesn't want to say his name right but orange taylor the orange third. <laughs> it's spelled orange I'm not giving this guy any orange I'm not giving you an accent where there's a your name is spelled orange f you all right, so that's not his. It's not his fault. His name is Orange, but like it's his fault. He's trash. But he's a trash but, person. I'm not right. giving him anything. But Orange Taylor the Third was Orange. arrested for the rape and murder of Laura Dickinson, and it was at this moment that the university ever mentioned that they thought violence had played an end or a role in Laura's demise. And apparently, when custodian Michelle Lockwood had discovered Laura's body on the floor of her dorm room, she didn't just find her, you know there on the floor, seemingly fallen over from cardiac arrest or anything like that. She had been naked from the waist down with a pillow over her face, and investigators had found semen dried on her leg. So what you're... Ha- so, you know, we're having a problem about foul play in that letter. This is what the problem was. Right. There was clear foul play. But you don't say that, that there's would- no foul play with a pillow over somebody's head, semen on the body, and then, you know, She's naked, naked from the waist down. Like, that's... Like, it was, they knew right away. I'm sure the custodian knew as well. So Eastern Michigan had some issues going on. There were some sketchy things happening with administration. And so, again, wanting to keep things insulated. And you also, Eastern Michigan is not the most highly enrolled university in Michigan, especially not at this time. So what you want to do is attract as many people without attracting the, well, while at the same time attracting the least amount of negative attention. Right. And so this was totally self-preservation. This had, this was not them putting their students first. And this was only 12 years ago. This mm-hmm. wasn't this is 1972. This was 12 years ago. And when this happened, I was a senior in high school. D was already in college. Like, it was a, like, people, like, this is, we were old enough to remember this going You know down. what's even more sketch about when they released the fact that they had uh, Orange? I, right. I was going to say Orange. What's even more sketch about this, too, like, along the fact that they said there was no foul play, it was on the first day that you couldn't get a refund or withdraw from the school. Right. Yeah, or, like, housing or anything like that. Yeah, so again, like little things, logistical things that were happening that were just so sketchy. Because the minute you find out someone gets murdered, you're bouncing, right? Right. And so they want to retain as much, again, federal financial aid money, but also uh, the the money coming directly from donors, all these things. It's it's so terrible. And this clearly outraged Laura's family, the community as a whole, to let their family believe that their child had died of natural causes, Mm -hmm. only to find out that Laura lived out her last moments terrified uh, for her life. 
And even, uh, I'm going to get this name wrong, Dr. Bader Casson, who was the Washtenaw, I can't stand these county names, <laughs> a medical examiner who did the autopsy, said that she had died of asphyxiation, probably. Mm-hmm. Someone had suffocated her. Suffocated. She couldn't breathe. Like, this is, these are very clearly things that had, that were issues, you know. But back to the events of the 23rd of February that year. Uh, Taylor had been arrested and charged with open murder, larceny, home invasion, and two counts of sexual criminal conduct. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he pleaded not guilty, as most people do, mm-hmm. and he was remanded to court custody because of the severity of the crimes. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where the depth of this starts to really show, because further investigation into the secrets that the university was holding showed that the university police actually immediately, within like days, had already interviewed at least three men. As suspects, once the discovery of her body, mm-hmm. like this is this is why it's so frustrating is that mm-hmm. they the, the things were moving, right? Things were moving, including Travis, who had been cleared clearly because there was records of him at work, records of him calling, things like that. And I want you, I just want to stop ahead. to um, make it clear to everyone: university police was doing the investigation. This is university police, not. Not, not Ypsilanti police, not the state right. police. So this the capacity the to even take this. Right. So right. they <laughs> frustration. <laughs> so again, they cleared Travis. Um, but Taylor had told police and maybe in an effort to say, Hey, I was in the area mm-hmm. but like I wasn't really doing anything violent. So he was he had been sneaking around stealing electronics. Um throughout the dorms because it was it was simply finals week and people were leaving things unattended mm-hmm. um but as the investigation progressed a bit um you would see that they would find the dna, DNA. samples obviously on laura's bed but they also took it off her leg and it matched taylor's and the video cameras the same video cameras that caught laura going into her dorm room caught taylor sneaking into hill hall as well with the bag from the well secrecy. sneaking out yeah see, but so they also leaving. caught him going in and he was there for 90 yeah, minutes, minutes before right. leaving, leaving with laura's bag this so i mean one of laura's bags it's, it's clearly it's you it's you <laughs> and so it's so frustrating. Now I'm reading it all out loud with someone else in the room that who shares frustration. I was just like screaming into the void when I was doing it by myself. No, I was like, this is definitely, you know, you, it's, and I was telling you, like, I have an expectation that schools would do this though. And that's the sad part about it. Like, I have this, you know, deep down inside, what really matters is the school's money. I mean, if you go to school, we know that it's a big institution based on finances. You want the people, you want the backers, you want the support, and you're not going to get it if you have something major like this happen. Right. And so, I mean, yes, every like the schools, even the nonprofit ones, mm-hmm. have to bring in money. And right. like, even if your even if your heart is that you want to educate the next generation of leaders and things Early. like that, what what makes that possible? Is money. The but Bible we, tells us that money answers all I things. mean, we know from the college scandal where they were bribing people, like, that's not always the case. Right. Money is a big factor. Like, if you have enough money, you could pass all your classes and get a degree. All right. Hey, my D's get degrees, too. So, if you don't have... <laughs> that's my Don't story. follow. Do not follow. That That only works in undergrad. Right. Don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I learned the hard way. And I was and never those credits decent. don't transfer if you mm. get D's. So, feel free right. to do that. But don't leave. You got to stay at that same school and be a mediocre student. <laughs> That's not funny, but it's funny to me. Um, but also, man, uh, it's terrible. But mm-hmm. I want to point out that even when all this was happening and all the responses, so we have the university president whose name I'm not going to remember, which is going to make me angry. Um, 
I have it. Uh, John A. Fallon. There we go. I was. It's in here. I have Jim Vick, but <laughs> he's the student affairs. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. So Fallon says that he had no idea whatsoever that mm-hmm. it was that it was a homicide, which I am kind of pushed to believe because of the response of of Jim Vick and how he was, says he was being scapegoated, but he was constantly. Jim Vick is the vice president of student affairs, right? And anyone who knows, anyone who's gone to college knows, like student affairs, and he was in president or vice president. They have their hands in anything involving students, and that also includes police. I'm a little okay. So here's the thing: I don't think in the the ten weeks. That he had no clue. No, I think at some point, but I think at the yeah. time when all the secret investigations were happening, I like looking but through the very limited was... articles that I could find. Right. I'm I'm pressed to believe that at first he had no clue. But the problem is that once you find out something yes. six weeks in, yes, one it is harder to sit, think to, to absolve yourself of that and say I didn't know. But it is also difficult to. I again, I don't want to. I can't justify you keeping that. Like, there's there should be convictions. Somebody could be the better person and be like, look, somebody has to tell the parents what really went on. And like the fact that that would that would be me. That where I would lose me would be when this they're like, I want answers to how my daughter died, and we're I couldn't lie to you about. To be honest, if you had done that, it could have saved his career. I don't know. There's some sketchy stuff going on. There was some sketchy stuff with like homes and money being spent places it shouldn't have been, but. I would like at some point you need to have a heart. If you're gonna work with young people and want and want the best for them, you should have a heart that says this yeah. is unacceptable. This is atrocious. This is atrocious. I can't talk. And these parents deserve to know what happened to their daughter and what can we do to make sure this never happens again. Mm-hmm. Instead of hiding it and pretending this woman died of natural causes, that was disgusting to me to let them bury this child, child without even knowing and like keeping everybody in the loop, including like a medical exam. Like all these people are like, hey. I, I I can't do it. Yeah. I can't I can't do it. Where but, where does the morality come in this? Right, and everyone should have it. And so Orange Orange would go to trial that year in October. Um and what would end up happening is that there would be a mistrial. Because like again, only because of this what's the word I'm looking for? When two things don't match. Conflicting. Con- thank you so much. Conflicting I got you one ca- time. testimonies <laughs> and things like I got that. You one time. No, I, I definitely appreciate you because there are parts of me tonight that are falling apart. But the second time, um, Lord, the second time he had went, mm-hmm. they got a lot more. So now right. the prosecution's arguments were exactly the same. So, but this time the defense decided that they were going to try something different. Now, what happened was that, uh, or. <laughs> Orange. You're gonna, we're going to have everyone <laughs> like saying orange Taylor's now. Taylor's defense attorney would change. So Alvin Keel mm-hmm. uh, was his first uh, defense attorney who was paid for by his family. Right. Uh, because the family had basically waked itself clean paying for this lawyer. And he was now given a public defender, Laura Graham, mm-hmm. uh, would be representing Taylor in this retrial that started on the 31st of uh, 2008. So now what happens here is that they start trying to paint a picture mm-hmm. uh, that, yes, or <laughs> Taylor, I, can't, I keep wanting to say the name because it's in front of me. <laughs> Taylor was in the room. Mm-hmm. But, see, this is disgusting to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you guys have to just I, walk If you're me. saying what I, I think you're saying, yeah. I'm yeah. going to interject. So what happened was that what they were saying is that people who saw uh, Laura's body... Um, said there, there were signs of a physical struggle, 
Um, or at least Graham did. The defense attorney said there's no signs of physical struggle within her room. So things around her mm-hmm. weren't broken, weren't you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I am hard, what I am thinking to believe is that she was asleep. Right. And he had woken her out of her sleep. Because even uh, the custodian, again, Michelle Lockwood, said she walked in, saw Laura on the floor, and backed up and immediately called the police. So she didn't disturb right. the, the crime Anything. scene herself. She said she saw it backed up. Backed up But Laura Graham, Laura Graham. Right, I'm not saying her name wrong, right? Yeah. yeah so I, I make sure I say her last name because there's two Lauras right now. Mm-hmm. Um, would say that any evidence found in Laura's room was tainted because it's much like the yogurt shop murders, like people came in and they, right. they weren't wearing protective gloves or foot covers, things like that. She was tossing all these things out. But the disgusting part of this was that it would say that he did enter her room and he, she was she made it very clear that he was high mm-hmm. that he had been smoking right. marijuana Somewhere before he entered hill hall and that's why he had made the poor choice to go looking and stealing electronics that night mm-hmm. and he said he had found he had gone in there looking for that and what he did when he walked in the room was he that he found Laura in a compromising quote position yeah this part pissed me the fuck Sorry. And ejaculated on her. So what you're, what they're saying, I'm clarifying that they're expl- that Laura's explanation of the events that happened is that he was so high mm-hmm. that he broke into Laura's room mm-hmm. uh, that night and found her lying in such a way that enticed that would entice a reasonable person or a, a high person mm-hmm. to masturbate over her body. Not realizing that she was already dead. I think they should have sticked to the same thing they said in the first trial because this explanation would make you sick. Like to it, jury, it makes jury. your it makes your client look like a monster. Yeah, like, to what a jury. Like what like, are you doing? Like you, this is the poorest. This, this is this ever. is your new. This is your new line. Like right. go with what they said the first time because this is ridiculous. And so they had they had had footage of like yeah, they had the DNA. They had footage of Taylor in a sweatshirt. Um, a specific sweatshirt in the same sweatshirt that they saw him in was found in his apartment. Right. Like they, so they knew it was him. There was no arguing it. So that's right. why they're like, okay, well, he was there. Mm-hmm. And the, in the first trial though, mm-hmm. Alvin Kill did say that just because there's physical evidence does not, not mean, mean. Right. uh, that you had touched the person. So like there's there's there there's very similar dissimilarities, right? But both, say like what defenders. they said the first time. That's what I'm saying. Well, both defenders came in the same thing. Like you, could, I just don't need the like. They could place you in the dorm, so they had to figure out why your semen was anywhere. Right. And the other argument that was kind of brought up and beaten down was the potential of consensual sex right. and then heart failure after that. Mm-hmm. And which I think is again, it's just poor taste. Poor but taste. Right. as a lawyer, your job is to provide reasonable doubt, right? That this could have happened because of these reasons, but I, it, it's it's so gross to me that but anybody. But the fact could, that you're talking about ejaculation after the fact, it's not gonna help. It's you. like they found Laura's gifts in your apartment. They found the sweatshirt they saw you on camera with. You clearly mm-hmm. went in. They your semen was on this girl, and she was naked. So if you're like who who gets naked only from the waist down when they get undressed, mm-hmm. you know, like things like they, like these lawyers were. Ugh. You know, like, but again, defense I was going. I was actually going to be a defense attorney. I was same. in pre-law at Fordham University for this, and it did not. I just it occurred to me that I would have to sometimes defend people that actually the crime, and I was like, I don't think. And and walk into mur- like muddy waters to do it. Right. Not not necessarily being unethical, compromise your values, but being immoral. Yeah. yeah, like so, like being because ethics would imply that you're doing right by your by your client and right, doing right. providing the best defense. Immorality would imply that you're saying and disparaging either a, a 
a victimized person or a dead person. Right. And so like, I couldn't, I couldn't look people it. in the eye, victims I. in the eye, and say like discouraging. Well, look at her sexual history or something like that. Yeah, too big like, of a heart I for that. Would not do it. So. Like I wanted to help people, so I became but then I realized I can do that poor. better by helping people before they get to right. the point. Of- I said, so now I'm a social worker, and now I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've established I'm going to be the poor friend forever. Me too. But it did not take long at all for the jury to be like, BS. <laughs> like, dude, this is not. Cut that defense out. is trash. Each time is trash. And on April 7th of 2008, Taylor was, I almost said his name, Taylor was convicted of first degree murder, assault with intent to commit sexual penetration, home invasion, and theft. And a month later, on May 7th, the Washington Circuit Court Judge Archie Brown sentenced him to life in prison. Mm-hmm. And even then, even then, Taylor still maintained his he innocence, innocent, saying yeah. that I didn't kill her and that all these things. He's like, I may have done things that were inappropriate, which I think, again, mm-hmm. trying to fall in line with that same defense. Listen, like, I might have done something that was on. Un- I'm, I'm not even saying what if and by he didn't mean to kill her. And I think that's the only other thing. Like, he put a pillow over her head. He was raping her. Didn't think her heart problems would give out her heart so quick or whatever the situation. Something happened and, you know, during and she asphyxiated and died. He may have not expected it. I'm not, you know. You may have not expected to kill her. Right. But, like, I he definitely might put the pillow there to muffle the sound. Sound, right. Because there was, they, they, they talk about it. Right. Um, I can't remember the article. It was not LA Times. Who was it? Michigan Daily. I'm, one of these. And they were saying that, like, there was no sign of penetration. So he mm-hmm. had not actually mm-hmm. they done it but we all know we just got done with Albert Fish like paraphilias mm-hmm. don't always have to be rape doesn't have to be right. the fact that you penetrated someone right. so maybe you got your rocks off by mm-hmm. like covering this girl covering up and then masturbating yeah. like you still and ejaculated so yep. something happened while something this girl happened. was Absolutely. being suffocated and yep. you were finishing like I'm not excusing life. him I'm just looking no, at all the possibilities but like, I'm looking at this like you still did but something you still wrong yeah. like you I did things that were inappropriate no no you, you raped crimes. her like you definitely that's your right. intent that's was sexual to assault. assault yeah anytime no one's consenting and we could talk about miscommunication all day mm-hmm. but there is something called implied consent mm-hmm. and if there's a point in time where you're suffocating someone in order to get quote-unquote consent that's not implied implied right. consent also is the vocal and physical cues that say this is okay so mm-hmm. if you're with your with your partner and you're laid up and their people are like you know it's like oh i like that that tickles stop like, oh. like those things imply that this is nice i it's just fun and we're enjoying this if you're suffocating someone that is not consent that's not it so there's no way you could just try to sanitize what you did right trash and i'm so glad that mm-hmm. That didn't take them long to put this boy Correct. behind bars. And again, to this day, yep. maintains innocence. Um, and after uh, Taylor had been found guilty, um, so many people uh, lost their jobs and were, were forced to really step down from Eastern Michigan. Yep. Uh, their board, uh, mm-hmm. things like that, and the, the student president. affairs office, the president. And it just comes to show you, man, Like there, there really is no winning. And I think I, where did I read it? Um, the problem is, and like much like in, F- in instances of police brutality, mm-hmm. when you're allowed to resign mm-hmm. um, and things like that, there are there there are points where you get to get paid still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say uh, the president uh, the president got two hundred twenty five thousand dollars still 
once he got out. The public safety director. Uh, there was a public safety director. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I mean, and the vice president of student affairs, Jim Vick, got $245,000 and they were both allowed to retire. They weren't allowed to be fired. Mm-hmm. Like, because firing implies usually, typically, you don't get to go anywhere else. Like, right. but you get to retire and kind of, kind of be, be, uh, and be afforded some of the, uh, the benefits, hence the money of Again, leaving. So you're paying people protection. who participate in the cover of a book. I, I, I don't, I can't get it. I can't get behind it. And I don't know who suggested this case to us. I was looking through all the DMs. Like, I know it was recent because they said, thank she, you for doing yeah, it. Yeah, she it said was thank fresh. you for doing it. Like, it was fresh. She just said it, yeah. And I was like, why can't I find I it? I still haven't turned on the notifications on my Facebook. Like, I eventually will. I don't know because I don't know. I don't know if it I'm was like um, deep in like in not feeling well, sister wedding shower stuff. I'm just deep in it. But I'm going to, I'm going to unleash my, uh, um, you know, notifications soon on uh, Facebook and be active. But whoever you are, you know who you are. Thank you, because I had no idea. Margaret, I found her. Margaret said it? Yes. Oh, good for you. Thanks, Margaret. So shout out to for Margaret. For shouting out this, um, this case. For this case. And I, I thank you, everybody, right. for listening. It's always so much fun. Yep. Um, again, Silas, if you're around next Saturday, brum, 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 the 28th, <laughs> I will be 30. <sighs> I'm around. I'll probably be in New Haven for the day. Like probably just go through the through the city, like enjoying my fans and my friends, my fans, my family and friends. <laughs> you you view your family and friends as fans. It's fine. Yeah, they Diva. are. Uh, but that's it. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? D underscore trip underscore. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> on yeah. Instagram and Twitter, uh, you can find me Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter at Charnel B. And I'm never going to change it because I'm consistent. Don't listen. So, other than that, guys, you behave, be well, uh, be safe. I don't make good choices. That's from an old podcast of mine. Um, but oh, right. So anyway, like, what do you keep your ears open and keep your hands clean? What did I say that time? I don't remember what it was. Keep your eyes and ears open and your hands clean. I think that's what it doesn't matter. We'll see you guys in two weeks. It's been real. Bye.